I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. from Weimar, America, where dictator on day one Trump continues to measure the windows for the new curtains in his vices house. And I don't know if that has been processed on the fascist side of this equation or if we have properly done so on the, you know, non-dictator on day one side, but it is increasingly obvious that Trump is increasingly confident that he will seize power next year and getting increasingly sloppy about what he tells us about that time. That is the only possible explanation for what he has now done, leaking to the gullible and willing stenographers from Axios, Mike Allen and Jim Vandehei, for a publication yesterday, a set of choices for his administration that would make Jair Bolsonaro blush. Vice President Tucker Carlson... Chief of Staff Steve Bannon, CIA Director Cash Patel, Attorney General Stephen Miller, or Attorney General Mike Davis, or Attorney General J.D. Vance, Secretary of Defense Tom Cotton, Secretary of Denial Carrie Lake, Secretaries of To Be Announced Later Christy Nome, Byron Donalds, Johnny McEntee, and of course, Secretary of Lecterns Sarah Huckabee. I mean, it begins to sound like the leaders of the Republican Party of Springfield during the Simpsons meeting in their underground lair. Dracula, Sideshow Bob, Carrie Lake, Tom Cotton, Mr. Burns, Fat Tony, and of course, George H.W. Bush. Sadly, the Trump plan and this leak to Axios only sounds like comedy. Not only is Trump suddenly so emboldened that he's thrown out names that absolutely no normal person could permit to serve anything but hot dogs from a street cart, to name people whose appointments could be stopped or thwarted at least by a Democratic Senate, thus energizing campaign efforts for that, to name a bunch of thugs and moreover, a lot of people who have lost a lot of races. But it can't be coincidence that several people on that list have also just done things that must have felt real good to them, but which knocked down basically to zero their chances of recovering from whatever the F is wrong with them. I mean, Tucker Carlson, who has, in just the last 18 years, charmed and been hired by, and then within, at the most, six years fired by, escorted from the building by all three cable news networks plus PBS. Tucker Carlson went on Twitter last night with Alex Jones and embraced 9-11 trutherism. As I played you on Wednesday, Bannon and Patel went on and insisted they will jail whoever they please, reporters, Democrats, whoever they don't like. And in case you thought they weren't serious, they said again, we're serious. And then they threatened to put Joe Scarborough in jail, which is, to be fair, not where I would start. 
except maybe on a personal level. And Vance, who has done literally nothing since being elected to the Senate except add a few chins to his collection, is not waiting until Trump drags off what he last night called Maggot Hagerman. He is a master of satire, isn't he? Vance read a Washington Post column, well, had it read to him, in which an editor-at-large named Robert Kagan said if Trump wins next year that the best response from free America would, quote, come from the governors of predominantly Democratic states such as California and New York through a form of nullification. States with Democratic governors and state houses could refuse to recognize the authority of a tyrannical government. That is always an option in our federal system. Vance, who you need to remind yourself may be completely inert, but is still in the Senate, then leaked to Fox that he has written to the attorney general and the secretary of state demanding to know by January 6th when the DOJ will investigate this Kagan of the Post for, quote, potential violations of laws that prohibit, quote, open rebellion against the United States, along with the political violence that would inevitably follow. Vance, of course, is an idiot, a performative idiot who's not that good at performing, who reminds me of me. Me, in 1979, in a once-a-week government class in which we all played roles in a fictional community, and obviously I wanted to be the journalist, so they assigned me councilman. I didn't want to be councilman. I was too lazy to do anything, so I realized quickly that I could manipulate the journalists in the class by sticking to this rule. Whatever happens... Issue a press release, claiming credit for it or blaming somebody else for it. I got an A. Vance is going a little further. He included the Secretary of State in this hysterical, pearl-clutching Cornell Government 401 press release because the op-ed's author is married to Undersecretary of State for Political Affairs, Victoria Newland. so Vance wants her security clearance reviewed, quote, in light of her husband's call for rebellion against the United States. Again, Vance is a moron. He looks like a constipated moron. He is advocating punishing writers for writing. He is a writer. But I've got two cheat codes for him on this. J.D., if you really want to push this, Victoria Newland's sister used to have the seats in the front row at Yankee Stadium next to mine and... So I used to go to her with, with some of the games and share the tickets, and I sat next to her a couple of times. And she once ran a restaurant in town where me and my then-girlfriend, who is now a prominent political magazine writer, we dined. She brought us breadsticks, J.D. It's all part of the conspiracy. Gotta be a conspiracy there, Mr. Checks Notes. Secretary of Lumber. Also, the op-ed itself misses a much juicier solution to a Trump restoration. Blue states, eh, nullifying, great. Blue states stopping the sending of our tax money to the federal fascist government. Three weeks of that, no money coming in from the blue states, and Trump would have to sell his blood to Octopharma Plasma in Tacoma Park, Maryland, just to meet White House payroll. Back to the point. We will never fully know, not even after the autopsy, what precisely is wrong with Trump's brain, but it seems clear that whatever it is, one of the symptoms is that he must convince himself that he is winning, that he will win, that he will always win. Jack Smith is right. Trump is a serial election denier, but it's deeper than that. At his advanced age and with his advanced diseases, if he ever believed he was defeated, he would die. Maybe not literally, but certainly figuratively. So the greatest relief he could possibly have in life would be to firmly believe 334 days before it happens that he has already won the 2024 election. And that is how he is behaving. That I'm not sure what to do with that, but it has to make him sloppy and vulnerable and better minds than yours and mine can figure out which soft spot on his head to push first.
It continues in court. Trump invented the nonsensical presidential immunity, then demanded Judge Chutkin dismiss the subversion case because of it. She ruled against him. He not only appealed, but last night had his lawyers write that while he appeals, she has to suspend everything in the case. Quote, all current deadlines must be held in abeyance until at minimum this motion is resolved. President Trump will proceed based on that understanding and the authorities set forth herein absent further order of the court. It's a stall. It's strategic. It could push even the Smith D.C. trial past the election if it works. But it's with the extra unnecessary dollops of arrogance. They are writing he will ignore the judge unless the judge orders him not to ignore her, at which point he will ignore her order. It's stupid and bitchy. It's like saying, I only want to be called President Trump ever again, so I'm changing my first name to President. So then, if I win, you have to call me President President Trump. This lines up with what his staffer Alyssa Farah said the other day, that it ain't just you and me. Quote, it's kind of remarkable. I've been watching the clips from Trump's visit to Iowa, and I'm stunned Having spent a lot of time with him in 2020 and years before, he is slowing down. There is a lack of sharpness in what he's saying and a lack of clarity. Well, it's not just slowing down. It's not taking any time at all to keep your darker secrets secret. The banter over dictator on day one with Hannity was an example of that. Why say that? It's as John le Carre wrote in Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy when his friend postulates to George Smiley that the Russian spymaster is fireproof. He is not fireproof because he's a fanatic. One day, that lack of moderation will be his downfall. That's the point. Trump has stopped making any effort of any semblance of any moderation. It is now almost unconceivable that he could ever actually do anything to destroy himself. But remember, to destroy himself, he only has to destroy the confidence of about 50,000 key voters who were going to vote for him. It's like this latest leak to Axios. What value is there in saying, here's Vice President Tucker Carlson, psychopathic white supremacist with a crazy laugh whose career stability makes... Keith Olbermann's look like that of Bob Cratchit. I'm going to put him in government. Along with Carrie Lake, whose highest elected office was weekend weather girl in Rock Island, Illinois. It's the kind of things you do not do to rally your base. Nor to scare your opponents. But because you really can't stop yourself from doing them and you really, really want to, suddenly you are more convinced than ever that you can get away with them. And if that is not a description of the entire Trump Nazi party, I don't know what is. Meantime, Matt Gates may be available for Trump's wish list or for kids' parties. He has become a walking human target. USA Today last night reporting Republicans are thinking of expelling him, too. They quoted one Republican representative anonymously. There were a number of people who voted to expel Santos with the express intent of thinking through the precedent there on what happens next. There was a lot of forethought about that precedent and what would happen when a report on Gates comes out. A report? Shortly after the USA Today story, CNN produced evidence that the report, the investigation into Gates and minors, is still alive. The chairman and ranking member have authorized staff to conduct an interview, reads a document CNN got. An interview with a witness. Bye, Felicia. Every Robespierre eventually meets his guillotine. And meanwhile, as to the guy Gates put into the speakership, Mike Johnson is having uh, an episode. I think that's the word, an episode. He told a Christian nationalist meeting the other night that he is Moses.
Mike Johnson, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Religious Nut Isn't Right. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Mr. Speaker, that wasn't God. It's a tumor. By the way, Mike Johnson followed up his revelation that he's Moses. Hey, Ma! Get this guy! He's Moses! He followed up his revelation that he's Moses by trying to hold up aid to Israel and blackmail the Senate with it. If you're Moses, boy, there's the desert. Get wandering. See you in 2063. And comic relief from January 6th. Alan Hostetter, a former police chief, everybody seems surprised by that, gets 11 years for January 6th. He brought an array of lethal weapons, took a car rather than a plane so he could bring hatchets and the like, took them with him to the Capitol, but is now insisting it was an inside job. Thousands of plants. The leader of the Oath Keepers, a plant. He took an 18-year sentence as part of being a government plant. And then, finally, it happened. Nut job meets nut job. Before sentencing, Hostetter explains that Ashley Babbitt was not shot and isn't dead. And guess who was waiting for him in the hallway? None other than Ashley Babbitt's mother. Quote, I assure you she is dead. What the F is it you're trying to say? To which Hostetter answered, was she cremated? Regrettably, Ashley Babbitt's mother did not reply, was your brain cremated? the sound of box toccata. We think it's box toccata. Anyway, it means it's time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. Worse. A tie. I'm just going to play this first one. It's not just Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Michigan, MAGA idiot. It's Congresswoman Lisa McLean of Michigan, MAGA idiot, trying to explain how proud she is to be MAGA, and then making a MAGA idiot of herself. So as one of your so-called MAGA Republicans, who again, I don't apologize for, because under MAGA Republican leadership, I might remind everybody, crime was down. Inflation, or excuse me, crime was up. Crime was down under under the last administration. Clearly, crime was down. Thank you, Congresswoman, for that clear and convincing elucidation. Now, for almost anybody else, that would have been the highlight of Congresswoman Lisa McLean's idiocy. But last year, she publicly claimed that Trump caught Osama bin Laden. So she has many, many years of quality, self-owning idiocy ahead of her. Plus, she's still only tied for the up-and-coming would-be Congressman Philip Sean Grillo's aspirations of being worst person in the world. He is running to succeed George Santos as the rep from the 3rd District of New York. The Democrats yesterday chose former Congressman Tom Squazzi and planned to spend uh, about $11 billion to regain that seat. But as to Grillo and the Republicans, he may not be the nominee because he has another job. And when I say job, I mean he's probably going to be busy going to prison. Mr. Grillo was found guilty on Tuesday of this week on a felony count of obstruction of an official proceeding. And by this point in the plot, you can probably guess which official proceeding. That's right. Grillo broke into the Capitol on January 6th went in several different times, once went in through a broken window, recorded videos of himself, and was interviewed by others to explain, quote, I'm here to stop the steal. It's our effing house. But even for one of Trump's slaves, Mr. Grillo, would-be Republican congressman, is pretty effing stupid. At his trial, in his defense, he explained that he thought he was authorized to break into the Capitol, and better still, 
Grillo testified that he didn't realize how serious what he did was because he didn't know that the Capitol was where Congress met. I know! What a surprise! And, and, and... Prior to January 6th, Mr. Grillo was the New York State Republican leader for the New York 24th Assembly District, which is in Queens, next to Kew Gardens. A Republican Party official didn't know where Congress met, running for Congress. And if he were nominated and elected to succeed George Santos, he'd still be only like the 15th or 16th dumbest Republican in there. The runner-up? Worser, Buffalo Bills head coach Sean McDermott, who confirmed in a teary news conference yesterday that the media report is true. He did reference 9-11 in a team meeting in 2019 in an attempt to motivate the Bills. According to the substack Go Long, what in fact McDermott did was, quote, cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection, unquote. Okay. Not long after 9-11, two sports figures that we heard of at least, one of them, the late Hall of Fame football coach Bobby Bowden, used 9-11, tried to, within a sports context. The ex-general manager of the Cincinnati Reds, Jim Bowden, said the baseball players union, as it contemplated a 2002 strike, might as well fly the planes into the towers, is what he said. The football coach, same spelling, different pronunciation, thought that the Let's Roll chant attributed to Flight 93 passenger Todd Beamer would be a great motto for his football team because that guy on that plane when they was fixing to die. You see where he went with this. I thought then, and I think now both of them, and Bowden not only apologized for it years later, but he actually apologized to me and we did a couple of games together on ESPN Radio. Bowden said some therapy had showed to him that he was using the analogy and treating it so lightheartedly because, bluntly, he was trying to minimize how scared he was after 9-11. I think both of those guys were suffering from 9-11 post-traumatic stress disorder. In fact, truth be told, I think most of America in 2001 suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, and 99% of the victims have never gotten any treatment, which may be why we are where we are today. People forget. I mean, the people at HBO sure forgot. But Bill Maher got fired from his nightly ABC talk show when a week after the attacks, he said that in this equation, the Americans had, quote, been the cowards lobbing cruise missiles from 2,000 miles away while, quote, staying in the airplane when it hits the building. Say what you want about it. It's not cowardly, unquote. But the Bills coach, Mr. McDermott, did this in 2019. I think the reaction to what he has now admitted to is best summed up by the famous tweet by the social media absurdist Drill, quote, issuing correction on a previous post of mine regarding the terror group ISIL, you do not under any circumstances, quote, gotta hand it to them, unquote. But our winners, the worst, Vivek Ramaswamy and Nick Fuentes, white supremacists. Both of them. The stuff that would have gotten you thrown out of American public life, even the Republican Party, even, what, 10 years ago? The stuff is now what makes you a national figure in the Republican fascist Trump for King Party. During the GOP debate Wednesday, and yes, CNN has inexplicably announced it's going to televise two more Republican debates in January, probably because they don't know what to do now that the Charles Barkley Gales King show has premiered and somehow it did not draw 300 million viewers compared to none for MSNBC. During the last debate, Ramaswamy not only embraced the anti-Semitic great replacement theory, the paranoid psychosis that led to the mass shooting at the Pittsburgh synagogue, and he not only insisted that it was not just a conspiracy theory, but quote, a basic statement of the Democratic Party's platform, but when the noted anti-Semite and racist Nick Fuentes tweeted a clip praising Ramaswamy for spewing his own bilge, Ramaswamy retweeted Fuentes. Now look, Ramaswamy is either a brain-dead hate monger who has one skill, 
talking fast, talking fast, or he's just a shyster con man. Fuentes, it's a little easier. He's just a piece of shit. But they do, every time out, make me laugh. Darkly, but I'm still laughing because the essence of the great replacement theory is that, quote, the Jews, unquote, are arranging to replace all the white people with, quote, third world voters, meaning Hispanics, Africans, people from the Middle East, Asia, the Indian subcontinent. And I never get over the fact that while Republicans and fascists and other Trump slaves will cheer Ramaswamy and Fuentes, as long as Ramaswamy and Fuentes are parroting this excuse for why they, the white folk, failed at life, it has apparently never occurred to Ramaswamy or Fuentes that if their crowd really does gain power and really does seal the border and really does turn away the, I don't know, the hordes that aren't there, when the Trumpists are out of immigrants to purge, when the ethnic cleansing is over, you know, Nick and Vivek, you do know who your group is going to turn on next, right? Because what Trump wants here requires that there will always be an other to persecute. And gentlemen, Nick, Vivek, I hate to tell you this, but Vivek, your parents were born in India. And Nick, you're a little vague on this, but you have said your father's family is from Mexico. And sooner or later, when they run out of new others to purge, Trump will point over at you, Vivek Ramaswamy, and you, Nick Fuentes, and say, who are those brown guys? And you'll all be surprised and shocked as they drag you away by your feet. And the next thing you know, you two will be in the camps with the rest of us. Vivek Ramaswamy and Nick Fuentes, or as they would be known in a Trumpist America by uh, 2027, 2028 at the latest, fresh meat. Today's worst persons in the world! Now, well, you may be wondering why we're already done with poorest persons and the commentary is over, and the answer is, I have a thing called scintillating scotoma. I think I once knew an exotic dancer named scintillating scotoma. It sounds weird, and it is weird. Happily, it's not usually really painful, and it's not that serious, and sometimes it's called an ocular migraine. But while often connected to a migraine, by itself, it is nowhere near as debilitating or upsetting as a migraine. I've had those too. But what you get is a bright pattern in the middle of your field of vision, usually in one eye, and then it usually gets larger and larger, and it'll spread to both eyes. And in my case, it usually hits its peak and looks like like this kind of radiating, brilliant, white square that looks like, this is what it looks like, a glowing square zipper right in the middle of everything. Watching a hockey game, there it is right in the middle, about an inch square in your field of vision. And it moves and it recedes and then it sometimes comes back. I mean, I had friends in high school who would have paid good money for hallucinations this vivid. It's brought on by the things that bring on migraines, stress, blood flow, problems, drugs, additives, drugs you're allergic to, additives you're allergic to, the usual range of stuff. Happily, they don't really hurt. But seeing through them is kind of difficult, at least for a half an hour, an hour or so. And they do, when they're gone, they leave you exhausted. I mean, it feels like I've been trying to lift weights with my head. The first one I ever had was one night, about 9.30, 10 o'clock at SportsCenter. I'd written the script, and suddenly, here comes this square glowing box in the middle of my vision. And I said, well, this is a problem, because I can't read the teleprompter, and I can't look down and read the script. I can't even find the script. So I told the producer, and I said, look, let me try and lie down for half an hour. And they went and they told Linda Cohn, who was doing the 2 a.m. show, to get ready to do the 11 p.m. show. And she screamed, but I can't read KO's copy. And happily, I dozed off in a dark room, and half an hour later, it was fine. And Linda Cohn said she was the happiest person on earth. Anyway, I used to get them once every few years. Now, eh, it's a couple a year, maybe. 
but sometimes it's a bunch in waves over a couple of days. And right now I'm mid wave. Obviously I've been reading a script here, so there isn't one right there in the moment. Nothing is scintillating right at the moment, especially this copy. But I had time enough to be able to record this and the opening of the show. So, so I've got two editions of Friday with Thurber. And if you want to skip them, no worries, because I have just given you the least amount of new countdown that my conscience will let me get away with. And now I'm going to go lie down till it all goes away with the observation that I wish that would work with Trump. Thurber next. This is Countdown. Six, eight, nine, nine. power as retribution against anybody except for day one yeah. except Look, one. he's going crazy except for day one he says you're not going to be a dictator are you i said no 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 other than day one we must either love each other or we must die vote for president biden on november 5th the stakes are too high for you to stay home From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. To the top of the countdown and Fridays with Thurber. And I am not going to dare suggest to you that there isn't at least something misogynistic about Mr. Preble gets rid of his wife. But the ultimate point of this short story so masterfully crafted by James Thurber, this matter-of-fact style that almost makes you forget you are hearing about a man trying to murder his wife, is in a larger sense about the fact that women are more successful than men. This story does not compliment men, it does not compliment women, it does not compliment human beings, but it is still marvelous. Mr. Preble Gets Rid of His Wife by James Thurber. Mr. Preble was a plump, middle-aged lawyer in Scarsdale. He used to kid with his stenographer about running away with him. Let's run away together, he would say during a pause in dictation. All righty, she would say. One rainy Monday afternoon, Mr. Preble was more serious about it than usual. Let's run away together, said Mr. Preble. All righty, said his stenographer. Mr. Preble jingled the keys in his pocket and looked out the window. My wife would be glad to get rid of me, he said. 
Would she give you a divorce? Asked the stenographer. I don't suppose so, he said. The stenographer laughed. You'd have to get rid of your wife, she said. Mr. Preble was unusually silent at dinner that night. About half an hour after coffee, he spoke without looking up from his paper. Let's uh, go down in the cellar, Mr. Preble said to his wife. What for? She said, not looking up from her book. Oh, I don't know, he said. We uh, never go down in the cellar anymore the way we used to. We never did go down in the cellar that I remember, said Mrs. Preble. I could rest easy the balance of my life if I never went down in the cellar. Mr. Preble was silent for several minutes. Supposing I said it meant a whole lot to me, began Mr. Preble. What's come over you? His wife demanded. It's cold down there, and there's absolutely nothing to do. We could uh, pick up pieces of coal, said Mr. Preble. We might get up some sort of game with pieces of coal. I don't want to, said his wife. Anyway, I'm reading. Listen, said Mr. Preble, rising and walking up and down. Why won't you come down in the cellar? You can read down there as far as that goes. There isn't a good enough light down there, she said. And anyway, I'm not going to go down in the cellar. You may as well make up your mind to that. Gee whiz, said Mr. Preble, kicking at the edge of a rug. Other people's wives go down in the cellar. Why is it you never want to do anything? I come home, worn out from the office, and you won't even go down in the cellar with me. God knows it isn't very far. It isn't as if I was asking you to go to the movies or someplace. I don't want to go, shouted Mrs. Preble. Mr. Preble sat down on the edge of a Davenport. All right, all right, he said. He picked up the newspaper again. I wish you'd let me tell you more about it. It's, it's kind of a surprise. Will you quit harping on that subject, asked Mrs. Preble. Listen, said Mr. Preble, leaping to his feet. I might as well tell you the truth instead of beating around the bush. I want to get rid of you so I can marry my stenographer. Is there anything especially wrong about that? People do it every day. Love is something you can't control. We've been all over that, said Mrs. Preble. I'm not going to go all over that again. I just wanted you to know how things are, said Mr. Preble. But you have to take everything so literally. Good Lord. Do you suppose I really wanted to go down in the cellar and make up some silly game with pieces of coal? I never believed that for a minute, said Mrs. Preble. I knew all along you wanted to get me down there and bury me. You can say that now, after I told you said Mr. Preble, but it would never have occurred to you if I hadn't. You didn't tell me. I got it out of you, said Mrs. Preble. Anyway, I'm always two steps ahead of what you're thinking. You're never within a mile of what I'm thinking, said Mr. Preble. Is that so? I knew you wanted to bury me the minute you got set foot in this house tonight. Mrs. Preble held him with a glare. Now that's just plain damn exaggeration, said Mr. Preble, considerably annoyed. You knew nothing of the sort. As a matter of fact, I never thought of it till just a few minutes ago. It was in the back of your mind, said Mrs. Preble. I suppose this filing woman put you up to it. You needn't get sarcastic, said Mr. Preble. I have plenty of people to file without having her file. She doesn't know anything about this. She isn't in on it. I was going to tell her you'd gone to visit some friends and fell over a cliff. She wants me to get a divorce. That's a laugh, said Mrs. Preble. That's a laugh. You may bury me, but you'll never get a divorce. She knows that. I told her that, said Mr. Preble. I mean, I told her I'd never get a divorce. Oh, you probably told her about burying me, too, said Mrs. Preble. That's not true said Mr. Preble with dignity. That's between you and me. I was never going to tell a soul. You'd blab it to the whole world. Don't tell me, said Mrs. Preble. I know you. Mr. Preble puffed at his cigar. I wish you were buried now it was all over with, he said. Don't you suppose you would get caught, you crazy thing, she said. They always get caught. Why don't you go to bed? You're just getting yourself all worked up over nothing. 
I'm not going to bed, said Mr. Preble. I'm going to bury you in the cellar. I got my mind made up to it. I don't know how I could make it any plainer. Listen, cried Mrs. Preble, throwing her book down. Will you be satisfied and shut up if I go down in the cellar? Can I have a little peace if I go down in the cellar? Will you let me alone then? Yes, said Mr. Preble, but you spoil it by taking that attitude. Sure, sure, I always spoil everything. I stop reading right in the middle of a chapter. I'll never know how the story comes out, but that's nothing to you. Did I make you start reading that book? asked Mr. Preble. He opened the cellar door. Here, you go first. Said Mrs. Preble, starting down the steps. It's cold down here. You would think of this at this time of the year. Any other husband would have buried his wife in the summer. You can't arrange those things just whenever you want to, said Mr. Preble. I didn't fall in love with this girl till late fall. Anybody else would have fallen in love with her long before that. She's been around for years. Why is it you always let other men get in ahead of you? Mercy, but it's dirty down here. What have you got down there? I was going to hit you over the head with a shovel, said Mr. Preble. You were, huh? said Mrs. Preble. Well, get that out of your mind. You want to leave a great big clue right here in the middle of everything where the first detective that comes snooping around will find it? Go out in the street and find some piece of iron or something. Something doesn't belong to you. All right, said Mr. Preble, but there won't be any piece of iron in the street. Women always expect to pick up a piece of iron anywhere. If you look in the right place, you'll find it, said Mrs. Preble. And don't be gone long. Don't you dare stop in at the cigar store. I'm not going to stand down here in this cold cellar all night and freeze. All right, said Mr. Preble. I'll hurry. And shut that door behind you, she screamed after him. Where were you born? In a barn? Mr. Preble Gets Rid of His Wife by James Thurber From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. It's been a long week, and every time I find myself thinking, it's been a long week, I like to turn to my book of James Thurber, and it's Fridays with Thurber, and it's been a few Fridays since I've done any James Thurber, and so let's start at the beginning. As I've mentioned many times, I read this story first aloud in a class in college in 1979, and a friend of mine came up to me and said, you should forget that sportscasting thing. You should read Thurber for a living. And I said, yeah, that'll ever happen. This is, for some reason, salvation for me, catharsis and every other emotion that is appropriate after it has been a long week. 
A Box to Hide In by James Thurber. I waited till the large woman with the awful hat took up her sack of groceries and went out, peering at the tomatoes and the lettuce on her way. The clerk asked me what mine was. Have you got a box? I asked. A large box? I want a box to hide in. You want a box? He asked. I want a box to hide in, I said. What do you mean? He said. You mean a big box? I said I meant a big box, big enough to hold me. I haven't got any boxes, he said. Only cottons that cans come in. I tried several other groceries, and none of them had a box big enough for me to hide in. There was nothing for it but to face life out. I didn't feel strong, and I'd had this overpowering desire to hide in a box for a long time. Oh, what do you mean you want to hide in this box? One grocer asked me. It's a form of escape, I told him, hiding in a box. It, it circumscribes your worries and the range of your anguish. You don't see people either. How in the hell do you eat when you're in this box? asked the grocer. How in the hell do you get anything to eat? I said I had never been in a box and didn't know, but that that would take care of itself. Well, he said finally, I haven't got any boxes, only some pasteboard cartons that cans come in. It was the same every place. I gave up when it got dark and the groceries closed and hid in my room again. I turned out the light and lay on the bed. You feel better when it gets dark. I could have hid in a closet, I suppose, but people are always opening doors. Somebody would find you in a closet. They would be startled, and you'd have to tell them why you were in the closet. Nobody pays attention to a big box lying on the floor. You could stay in it for days, and nobody'd think to look in it, not even the cleaning woman. My cleaning woman came the next morning and woke me up. I was still feeling bad. I asked her if she knew where I could get a large box. How big a box you want? She asked. I want a box big enough for me to get inside of, I said. She looked at me with big, dim eyes. There's something wrong with her glands. She's awful, but she has a big heart, which makes it worse. She's unbearable. Bearable. Her husband is sick, and her children are sick, and she is sick, too. I got to thinking how pleasant it would be if I were in a box now and didn't have to see her. I'd be in a box right there in the room, and she wouldn't know. I wondered if you had a desire to bark or laugh when someone who doesn't know walks by the box you're in. Maybe she would have a spell with her heart if I did that and would die right there. The officers and the elevator man and Mr. Grammage would find us. Funny doggone thing happened at the building last night, the doorman would say to his wife. I let in this woman to clean up 10F and she never come out, see? She's never in there more than an hour, but she never come out, see? So when it got time for me to go off duty, why I says to Krennic, who was on the elevator, I says, what the hell you suppose happened to that woman cleans 10F? He says he didn't know. He says he never seen her after he took her up. So I spoke to Mr. Grammage about it. I'm sorry to bother you, Mr. Grammage, I says, but there's something funny about that woman cleans 10F. So I told him. So he said we better have a look, and we all three goes up and knocks on the door and rings the bell, see, and nobody answers. So he said we'd have to walk in. So Krennic opened the door, and we walked in, and here was this woman, cleans the apartment, dead as a herring on the floor, and the gentleman that lives there was in a box. The cleaning woman kept looking at me. It was hard to realize she wasn't dead. It's a form of escape, I murmured. What say? She asked, dully. You don't know of any large packing boxes, do you? I asked. No, I don't, she said. I haven't found one yet but I still have this overpowering urge to hide in a box. Maybe it will go away. Maybe I'll be all right.
Maybe it will get worse. It's hard to say. A Box to Hide In by James Thurber. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the Vin Scully Studios at the Olderman Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in New York. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handling the orchestration and keyboards, Mr. Ray on the guitars, bass, and drums, and it was produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including some of the Beethoven compositions, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. Sports music, courtesy of ESPN Inc., written by Mitch Warren Davis. We call it the Old Roman theme from ESPN2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. So that's Countdown for this, the 1,067th day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Use the Insurrection Act against him and them while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is Tuesday, bulletins as the news warrants and my eyeballs permit. Till then, I'm scintillating Skatoma. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.